Welcome to episode 101 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about an interesting strategy to keep wolves away from people. And I focus on another dog breed that happens to look like a wolf, a Czechoslovakian wolf dog. We learn about two new avian picks and about our adorable animal of the week that does not live up to the myths surrounding them. So let's dive into episode 101 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Welcome to episode 101, like Dalmatians, of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new awesome group of animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? So I want to give some updates on my program. The volunteer thing? Yes. Okay, cool. So first off, we have some bad news. <gasps> no! We lost one of our links recently. Oh. Yeah, Tashi. Um, apparently he developed a, an, a tumor on his adrenal gland mm -hmm. and he had to go in for emergency surgery and he survived the surgery, but then developed a blood clot during his recovery Aww. and lo lost him. Poor yeah. buddy. Yeah. I miss him. That's real sad. Mm hmm So there's that. But, um, now I've... Already done. So basically, there was two strings as a volunteer. There's the top, and then there's the bottom. On the bottom, I worked with porcupines, pine, um, <laughs> singular, just one, um, arpaca, and kawadis. Yay, kawadis! Yes, I'm jealous you get to work with kawadis. There. Oh no, you don't like them. I love them. They're just the filthiest animals I've worked with. Oh no. It's a bit Babies. better now because now that it's colder, they tend to snuggle together in one house at night. Okay. So now I usually only have one house that is full of shit and pee <laughs> that I have to clean up. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. And they dig holes in around their enclosure all the time. It's like I'm feeling a hole in every day. <laughs> they're just troublemakers. I feel like they're probably like, I just dug that. How yeah. dare you? You're <laughs> filling it back in. I well, no, fixed that how I wanted it. Like when I'm scraping off the top, one of their decks as they're over it because we have a shift. The door drops and they're in the other enclosure ride yeah. playing the right side. And it's like, hey, what you doing there? Is It smells like poop. Is that my poop? That's what I feel like they think. It's like they're very curious and they turned two in a couple months, so Aww. they're still young. What were their names again? Nacho and Salsa. Okay. Yeah. These aren't the Disney ones. No. Um, but the more recent update is I'm not a volunteer anymore. I am now an intern. It, it, Paid intern? No. Oh. <laughs> well, how do you get credit if you already got your degree? It's I can put the internship on my resume. Um and the benefit of the internship is I get to work really with all the animals now. Okay. Um, and I will be doing a project. I just don't know what I'm going to be doing yet. Okay. Because um, it can be like designing enclosure, conservation, or education-based. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. That's fun. Yep. So, yeah, that officially starts this Thursday. Um, and because I've been volunteering for a couple of weeks now, I'm already ahead on a few things. So I'm going through with like... My schedule for like learning and all stuff is like I've done so I can like okay I've done this can we do this more advanced thing right, instead right, on right. these days? You need days. to like actually get the proper training yeah. basically yeah yeah since I'm good with working opossums the marsupials and the tortoises I have all down and really only thing that I need to work a bit more on is with our paca for the lower shift so far because. They love their food, and they get territorial over food, oh, so we dear. have to crate them. Oh, okay. Do they target train? Um, with them, they are crate trained. Okay. And they go in very well, except sometimes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's only one that really have to worry about because um, Pico, he will charge. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But so far with grading, I haven't had really any problems. So. <laughs> I feel like it's looking like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it i'm bigger than you um okay yeah. well that's fun yep well that's good at least it's more useful to you mm -hmm. now oh and i've done a program already okay because <laughs> this was 
last week I got uh, they sent out an email um, says like hey I need help for these programs because it was three shows back to back at a elementary school mm. in Torrance um, and it's like yeah I sent it late and it's like I'm probably someone probably already got it because yeah. I got the email late and it's like oh thanks and it's like meet me at the compound at like 615 then we'll head out because it's like a two hour drive so you gotta go do like an assembly essentially yeah how was that the first group of kids were really good okay is it like they all come into the multi-purpose room or like a classroom it was a cafeteria okay okay um, so it's like all the school yeah okay not all the school it was by grades um it's the okay younger but kids. not it's not like one individual class is no. coming like it's a whole okay yeah first group it was really good um by the last group which was our youngest group they <laughs> i don't think that my coworker was able to get a word out because they pretty much never shut up are they what age is that like what grade a kindergarten oh, first was the last yeah, group they're gonna be all kind of yeah. squirmy but yeah. what animals did you guys bring so we it's six animals in the show um we brought a groundhog we brought one of our alligators okay um a hedgehog Oh. Our Madagascar hissing cockroaches. <laughs> okay. A ball python. Okay. Um, a kinkajou. Cool. And one of our pacas. I'm jealous of a kinkajou in person to work with. <laughs> we have seven. So jealous. Yes. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting to say that. One of our kinkajous is somewhat of a celebrity. Oh. Because she did part of the voice that was Baby Yoda. Really? Yes. That's fun. Mm-hmm. It's also so weird. <laughs> They're like, we need a weird animal. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, I, I want to know that entire process, how that happened. Uh, it's very interesting. The other animal that they used was the our battered fox. So there's like this specific yeah. animal rescue place. I <laughs> we need, I, I'm going to have questions. I'm yeah. going to visit this place first of all. How do people like me visit it? You would have to schedule a tour. How much do they cost? 200 okay yeah people like me aren't visiting it <laughs> can i volunteer one day <laughs> not a week like one day um yeah that's mm -hmm. i'm just so curious about that entire process yeah. the funny thing is that is the literally like the one animal staff can't go in with she's is Eva. that specific she's Diva. can't yeah. be in there she's a little star yeah her name's kima amazing <laughs> um lady kima yeah. for the critical role people out there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hate that it gets dark so early. I hate it so much. Anyway, um, okay. Well, that's really cool, though. I was going to ask you something about that, and I don't know what it was. Well, whatever. I don't remember. I just remember that back in the day when I had my friend whose dad did the Rare and Wild presentation mm -hmm. at the park, uh, he did an assembly one time, and I helped them with it. Oh, yeah. And I just remember we had a big-ass python that started, like, wrapping. I mean, it probably wasn't that big because I was small. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... It was good size. Mm -hmm. It was a good size pie. I started like wrapping around my legs. And I'm like, can you like not though? <laughs> Please don't. I don't remember all the yeah. other animals we had, but I helped with that. So it was really cool. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. Yeah. But anyway. So we, so at each show is like six animals. We switched um, the, our kinkajou and uh, po poquito is the name of our paca mm -hmm. that we bring to programs. Um, kinkajou, the first and the last show. And then poquito did the second show. Okay. But not the diva king could you? No, she doesn't. Okay, she doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, she's too much. She's, she's too special for that. Yeah. I still am gonna have to find out from your boss how that whole process went. I'm like, did they come looking for it, or you volunteered? Are you like associated with like an animal talent <laughs> issue? And I'm so confused yeah. as to how that came about. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Like good progress. Yep. Um. Well, I had a game night for the first time in a while. Nice. Um. At a friend's house. My first time going to her place because uh, she got married during COVID. Oh. <laughs> was that last year? I don't even remember. Was it last year or the year before? Who even knows? Had to be last year because it wouldn't have been 2020. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So, we went to her place. Also, I just love when, like, you actually like your friend's friends. You know what I mean? Like, when you're not already a group. Like, these are your yeah. friends. And I'm like, I actually like you. Like, you're cool. I'm cool hanging out with you. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, they're okay. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're cool. We we get along. This is cool. Anyway, so we played so many games. First of all, game I shouldn't call it a game night because game nights are usually in the evening and you play like four games. We started at like 4.30. <laughs> 
and I left a little after one and I'm old and that was challenging at this point <laughs> anyway and I had no gas so I had to go find a gas station that was open and then I was like I have no caffeine I'm like I have to have caffeine because it's like an hour and a half drive home mm-hmm. closer to an hour at that time of night um so I had to go find one thank god it was open I was like please just give me caffeine and then like put but then the gas prices because it was a mobile <sighs> please no mm-hmm. I was like I'm putting ten dollars in mm-hmm. so I literally had enough gas to get home without my light going on that's it <laughs> Anyway, but we had but we had the game. I think we played like six or seven games. It was oh. a lot. Anyway, it was really cool. It was really fun. But we played this one that I actually had purchased a while ago and have not played it yet. Um, but one of the other guys had it. And it's called Parks. There's a few park type and games. Because I do have what? And Rec. No, not <laughs> Um, You can recreationally recreationally play parks. Um, mm. There's also trekking through the parks. I think it's the one that I do have that I played. But anyway, Parks is probably the most beautiful game I've ever seen in my life. Like, the artwork is gorgeous. I showed Casey yep. some of the little pieces. It's these little wooden pieces you get to do different things with. So there's, like, water and, like, a sun and, like, a tree and a mountain. And then there's wild ones, which is wildlife. And there's, like, a buffalo. And then it's, like, a butterfly and a sea turtle and a wolf and all kinds of things. And they're so beautiful. So all of it's beautiful and sustainably sourced. <laughs> but anyway, um, so it's just the most gorgeous game. I recommend it. It does have a learning curve, though. It does. Have, but there's also a solo version. You can play it alone. And I was so curious when I looked at that, when I pulled mine out. <laughs> also, it's funny because he got his when it was a Kickstarter. And on the oh. end, it says 60 to 120 minutes. No, sorry, 30 to 60 minutes. And I was looking at it when we were at like the two hour mark. And I'm like, uh, lies. Lies, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think it took us almost three hours. Hmm. Um, anyway, but we're also, everyone was new except for him. So, you know, he had to learn it. That reminds me of like when you would play Mario Party. And it would, you had like the number of turns for the board mm-hmm. and it's like gave you the time estimate. It's like lies. It's like, that's if you're like pushing literally. Every yeah. I feel like pretty much all games lie on yeah. that. I feel like they're never, they're almost always longer than they say they are. But anyway, so it looks at it. And then it was funny though, because when I got home, because so he got it when it was Kickstartered. So he had an even prettier package than oh, I yeah. did. But anyway, um, but then when I got home and looked at mine, it says 40 to 70 minutes. So I'm like, so after the Kickstarter, were they like, this is taking people longer? Anyway, but he told me it's usually like an hour and a half. And I'm like, yeah, that, I don't know what they're getting this even 40 minute from. That's minimally an hour game. But if you play the solo version, I did find it went pretty fast. It's kind of like, I mean, I did it for kicks. I was like, I'm just curious. So if you do the solo version, it's like the Rangers are going along with you. <laughs> and you're just trying to get a certain amount. Like if you hit a higher amount of points, you're like, you know, well-traveled. And if you hit like... <laughs> it was fine the way it says like if you hit like i think it's like 20 or under something like that it's like you certainly went hiking <laughs> is what it says anyway it's cute anyway it's a cool game um we played a bunch of other games too that are fun so and stressful some of them are stressful but they played quick though so i like that and i've done timeline which we did with you but i didn't make them do the meanest one. Oh yeah we didn't do that one that one's awful and <laughs> so difficult and then so i did the music and cinema because i'm like this is like a music and cinema crowd i feel like Mm -hmm. and they went pretty well and then i was like all right let's try historical events not as good (laughs) anyway so yay game nights i just want to have more game nights and yeah also i have games and i always want to get more games and i tell myself i can't because i don't have enough game nights yeah i I used to have a ton of games but it's like i don't have plans i have friends to make period Okay, so we just need a place to have game night because yeah. I'm down for game night like every week if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them. I love them so mm-hmm. much. Anywho. All right, so, but that was it. Fun game night. Go team. Exciting times. Um, so let's move on into what we want to talk about, which sort of, you know, segues. This could be a game. <laughs> Not in the way it's being used, but what's being used to achieve this is a game <laughs> it's an activity <laughs> okay anyway take it away casey so some unconventional methods are being used in yes. the netherlands um to help with their wolves because um paintballs are to be shot at dutch wolves to make them less tame <laughs> i just the way that was worded paintballs is... are to be shot at wolves 
That is literally what it says. It's the title of the article. Paintballs to be shot at Dutch wolves in bid to make them less tame. I just, but to me that feels like that's on like a community board. And it's like, yeah. paintballs to be shot at this, at this time. And not just like, oh, we're telling you this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, so weird. Okay, continue. Yes. So basically there's a problem in some parts of the Netherlands with wolves being too habituated with people. And they are getting dangerously close. And it appears that they are actively seeking out people, which makes them think that some people may be feeding them. them, Yeah. Yeah. So government officials have made plans to use paintballs to deter wolves from going towards people. (laughs) Just also imagine a wolf is like blue. I know. (laughs) Well, that is actually, they are one of the reasons for paintballs is so they can track which ones oh, have been shot sense. that makes sense and see the effectiveness just one of the that's pro- just covered yeah. <laughs> it's like stop coming yeah. back because <laughs> right now the netherlands does not have very many wolves there's only about 20 in the country oh okay and it was only back in 2019 where they had in the step some established wolves in the netherlands for the first time over a century and a half Oh, okay. So it's important for them to try to keep them away from people because they are afraid that if they become problem animals, then people will ask for them to be cold and they don't right. want that to happen. Right. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more. You were scrolling. No, nope, so. but um, there is um, just not really the most important part, but they were accusing a park owner of intentionally feeding the wolves because he wants them to get cold. Um, because he also made comments like wolves have no business being around here. Yeah. Um, and he has just a very interesting name. It's Sager Emmanuel Van Van Vos Toy Divorce. Oh. Can we shoot him with paintballs? <laughs> I feel like we should be able to. But yeah, um, he's denying it. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, that's interesting. But keep in mind that this is official people shooting the paintballs. Oh, not like not everyone. like any. T- Ordinary Not just Joe. I'm just, I'd be afraid about them getting shot in the eye. Yeah. Or the ear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. Well, because I mean, I haven't actually gone paintballing with some. I have like, a couple super times. Super fun, but like everyone who does always comes back with the massive welts everywhere. So. Okay. Typically, when that happens, because people are being assholes. Okay. Because they will freeze their paintballs. Oh. And that's usually how that happens. Oh, okay. Because I've been shot with paintballs. I don't get welts. Great. Well, then let's go paintballing so I don't die. <laughs> And we can shoot each other, and that'll be great. Okay, so, uh, well, this segues. <laughs> it's time for another dog breed, and I chose this dog breed because it looks like a wolf. <laughs> Woo! Also, one of its, it's not a common name, but, like, okay, so its official name is Czechoslovakian. I forgot how they said it. I had to write it down. Volk? Volchuk. Volchuk. Okay, so that's an American breeder who says Czechoslovakian Volchuk. It is spelled V-L-C-A-K. I don't know if that's right. We'll go with it. Um, it's also referred to as the Czechoslovakian wolf dog, so I think I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so that's a little easier. And also a lot of times they also refer to them as the, I think it's CVS. Nope, that's the that's store. CSV. <laughs> anyway, different thing. Anyway, so um, yeah. So there we go. So the Czechoslovakian, I'm going to say wolf dog, they are uh, billed as loyal, intelligent, and active. They are in the, what group do you think they're in, Casey? Working. I feel like we've done a lot of this type of dog. Foundation stock. Well, it's basically a working, not exactly. Why aren't they working? This one's not really a working dog. All right. So their height, the minimum is 23.5 to 25 to 5 inches. It's pretty that's not that tall at the shoulder. Uh, they weigh about 44 to 57 pounds, and their life expectancy is 10 to 15 years. So their history, scroll on down here. So in 1955, a biological experiment took place in the CSSR of that time, namely the crossing of German Shepherd Dog with the Carpathian Wolf, similar to the Carpathian <laughs> dog that we talked about before but apparently there's a carpathian wolf specifically anyway the experiment established that the progeny of the mating of a male dog to female wolf as well as that of male wolf to female dog could be reared the overwhelming majority of the products of these matings possess the genetic requirements for continuation of breeding in 1965 after ending the experiment a plan for the breeding of this new breed was worked out 
This was to combine the usable qualities of the wolf with the favorable qualities of the dog. In 1982, the Czechoslovakian wolf dog, through the General Committee of the Breeders Association of the CSSR of that time, was recognized as a national breed. Oh, my goodness. I also just have to, as a quick aside, I feel like AKC keeps adding dogs and taking dogs away. <laughs> because I, every time I go through this, I swear there's new ones in there that weren't there the time I was there before. And, like, other ones. Like, I don't remember seeing an Australian Shepherd in here. And I was like, what? Did they get removed? What's happening? Hmm. Anyway, so mm-hmm. getting back into a little more about them. Why? How did I skip it? There it is. There we are. All right. So. An alert, primitive canine that resembles a wolf in appearance. They are highly intelligent, powerful, active, loyal, and devoted to its owner. They have superior eyesight, hearing, and sense of smell, and are known for having excellent stamina stamina and endurance. The Czechoslovakian, we're going to say wolf dog, CSV, was originally bred for working border patrol in Czechoslovakia. Yet that'd be scary if there's like a wolf next to you, basically. Uh, In the 1950s, they are currently used in Europe and the United States for search and rescue. Again, a little scary. (laughs) Um, uh, For search and rescue, tracking, obedience, agility, drafting, herding, and working dog sports. The CSV is bred for versatility and hardiness in harsh elements and is much more independent in nature than many other working breeds. They are an excellent choice for tracking or training sport work um, or as a companion for active owners who enjoy spending time doing outdoor activities such as biking, running, or hiking. They are not, however, recommended for first-time owners. Um, And then they give you club contact information. So... We're gonna turn down. So I would think these would not have a ton of health issues because they have not been bred for forever. Mm-hmm. But I would be wrong. <laughs> so um, they say that the Czechoslovakian wolf dog, uh, they're a very healthy and robust breed, but it is wise to ask the breeder what health concerns they have seen in each genetic line. But these are the recommendation recommended health tests for the National Breed Club. Hip evaluation. DNA repository, autoimmune thyroiditis, optional, (laughs) eye examination by a board-certified ACVO ophthalmologist, degenerative myelopathy, (laughs) DNA test, cardiac evaluation, optional, pituitary dwarfism DNA test, optional, elbow evaluation. That's a lot of stuff. I feel like most of the dogs we say have like three. Jesus. Anywho's. So, moving on to their grooming, they have a weather-resistant coat. It naturally cleans itself of mud and dirt they seldom need a bath and have little to no body odor they shed twice a year and at that time daily brushing is required the winter coat is thicker heavier and longer than the shorter thinner summer coat and this may require more grooming during the colder months of the year their strong fast-growing nails should be trimmed regularly with a nail clipper same as always do the ears do the stuff it's the same with everybody (laughs) ears teeth and nails um okay for exercise they are known for having boundless energy especially during puppyhood and young adolescence Um, daily long walks, runs combined with mental stimulation work well. Turning them out into the backyard by themselves does not work. A, they put Volk, Volkuk, how do we say this as Volkuk? We're just, we're just calling it a wolf dog. Does best when they have a meaningful job they can devote themselves to. They like to have an interactive experience with their owners. Activities like swimming, hiking, retrieving balls, or flying discs can provide a good outlet for expending energy. A CSV may have a prey drive, uh uh-oh. Uh, towards small animals, so fenced enclosures and or on leash are always a good idea. Training. So with these, they do say that um, they're a primitive breed of dog and uh, with a dominant independent personality, so they require a different approach to training. <laughs> so basically, this is a harder one to train. So consistency and patience is a must. They are confident, lively, active, high stamina, high energy, tough, and obedient with quick reactions. Anyway, you already said they're intelligent, so... <laughs> So socialization is really important early on, and um, but they need to see a purpose for the desired task. So you have to convince them that they need to do whatever you're asking them, I guess. Anyway, they bore very easily. I love this. This is amazing. Um, they do not like to do repetitive tasks and uh. often refuse to perform tasks regardless of treat incentives. Positive reinforcement training methods. How were they guarding them? I don't know. I think that's just instinct, I guess. Positive reinforcement training methods are highly recommended. And they are, once again, not recommended for the first-time owners as they need strong pack leadership and structure. So, um, there you go. That is them. They look like a wolf. 
Have we ever done a dog that's recommended for a first-time dog owner? Well, they never say they're not recommended. I think this is the person who said clearly that it was not recommended. I'd have to go back and look. But I don't know if we had any that they're like, this is easy. (laughs) I don't know who that would be. I feel like the... Yeah, we haven't talked about a golden. (laughs) We don't talk about the known ones. Anyway, so there you go. Pretty cool. Golden retrievers bring. Goldens? Well, it keeps switching. They were in like the two spot. Oh. But then, like, the Frenchies and people have moved up. The Frenchies, that's not talking about the French. Like, the French bulldogs have moved up. (laughs) Um, They shouldn't exist. The French bull. I was like, the French or the French bull? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That's rough. Um, Yeah, no, any of those. Brachiocephalic. I can never say it. Brachiocephalic. I was closer that time. I'm going to say brachio. I'm just going to be like brachio. I'm not saying the whole thing. Brachiosaurus? Mm Mm-hmm. Great, love it. Um, but anyway, so but goldens because usually it's always lab golden. And, yeah, because like I told, was shepherds. talking to my sister one time about how like labs are number one. It's like she doesn't like lab, but she likes the golden retriever. I mean, I think goldens are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I love them. I just wouldn't want to deal with the hair. Yeah. I if I would totally get a golden though, if it wasn't for that hair. Yeah. Because that would just be a nightmare, especially if you want to go hiking and stuff with them. But you have some burrs in them. That's going to be a mess. What if they do want to go swimming? That's going to be a mess. Mm-hmm. At least labs are like short hair and it's easy to deal with. Yeah. Also, Goldens do that whole like gentle mouth thing. They're so cute. Mm. I love them. Mm. Anyway, so there you go. So that is the Czechoslovakian. We're just going to say wolf dog <laughs> to make my life easier. All right. Well, that's going to bring us into our, um, our, pff, I don't know what I'm saying, our picks this week. And it was Casey's turn to pick. Yes. What'd you pick? I went with European Birds of Prey. Okay. And tell us what'd you pick. I went with the Red Kite. Okay, tell us about it. I have to see if this is one of my runner-ups. Okay. So the Red Kite's scientific name is Milvis Milvis. And it is primarily restricted to Europe, but they are sometimes found in parts of northwestern Africa. They can be found in a variety of habitats like forests, shrublands, and grasslands. Their lifespan in the wild has not been recorded, but some in captivity have lived to be 26 years old. And some of their closest relatives, like the black kite, have been known to live to be about 24 in the wild. So it's likely they also have a lifespan of their mid-20s. Okay. They're about 58 to 64 centimeters long. They have a 1.8 meter wingspan. Weigh about 1 to 1.2 kilograms. Given that this category is European birds of prey, it should come as no surprise that the red kite primarily feeds on vertebrates. Okay. The red kite actually mainly feeds on carrion, but it will also hunt its prey if necessary, like small mammals, including rabbits, voles, and mice. Okay. Due to this bird's unique habit of being both a scavenger and predator, they perform two roles in their ecosystem. By feeding on the carcasses of dead animals, they act as the garbage crew, which helps to prevent the spread of disease by carrion. They also help to manage the rodent population by acting as a predator of small mammals. One thing that sets the red kite apart from other scavenging birds is that its head is fully feathered, whereas in other scavenging birds like turkey vultures and condors, they usually have a bald head. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. weird. Yep. Another characteristic that is unique about the red kite is that it does not have, it does have grasping talons, whereas most other ones like the condors have feet much like a turkey. But it is these talons that allow the kite to occasionally go on the hunt for small prey. Which is very important, especially in the breeding season when it needs to be providing food for its chicks and there may not be enough carcasses to sustain its offspring. This species, like most birds of prey, are monogamous and mate for life, and a breeding pair will usually use the same nesting site year after year. Both the male and female help to construct the nest, with the male retrieving the stick and the female deciding where to place it. The female does the majority of the incubating with the male bringing back food for her and he will relieve her of her nesting duties so she can go hunt as well. Throughout the whole incubation process, the male will also continue to bring more nesting material in order to add to the nest. And as the chicks mature, the female will also venture out with the male to help bring back more food for the offspring. If the female ever senses danger, she will vocalize to her chicks and the chicks will play dead in response until the predator leaves. (laughs) The red kite is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, and their populations are currently on the rise. Like many scavenging birds, the biggest threat to the red kite is poisoning, either directly from farmers or incidentally from pesticides, particularly for rodents. 
They are listed under Epidix 2 of CITES. The species was nearly wiped out in the United Kingdom, but monitoring programs of pesticide use and reintroduction programs help bring the species back from the brink of extinction there. Yay! Yep. All right. That was not one of my runner-ups, so oh. mm-hmm. that's okay. They're still cool. Mm-hmm. That is weird that they have feathers, though. Yeah. Did they not see that the, that's not a good choice? Okay. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and I guess if it hasn't killed you, but like that doesn't yeah. seem like the best option. They probably also smell like dead meat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I could not believe Casey didn't choose this immediately when making this category. Mm-hmm. So I chose the peregrine falcon. And we'll get into why they're so cool in a bit. Um, also love their scientific name. Uh, their scientific name is Falco peregrinus. <laughs> I love it. That one sounds like a spell for sure. Mm-hmm. That'd be like a flying spell. So you could fly yeah. or be fast. I don't know. Anyway, so the peregrine falcon is the world's most widely distributed raptor species and one of the most widely distributed land-based birds. It is found on every continent except for Antarctica. They have become well adapted to a variety of habitats such as forests, savannas, shrublands, grasslands, as well as being a common site in urbanized areas. The oldest recorded peregrine falcon was at least 19 years old. The individual was found in Minnesota in 2012, which was the same state it was banned, banded, excuse me, um, back in 1992. Was banded? Yeah, like a leg band. Oh, oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. I was very confused with that. I'm like, I'm so confused. Anyway, okay. Um, when it rests, the peregrine, peregrine stands at about... Uh, 0.4 meters tall and it has a wingspan of about one meter across just like all birds of prey the peregrine falcon feeds on vertebrates and this species specialized in hunting other birds in north america they have been documented going after 450 different species of prey and worldwide that number may be as high as 2,000 species some birds that they are known to hunt include shorebirds ducks gulls and songbirds oh no (laughs) they have even been known to hunt bats oh and steal fish and rodents from other raptors but one of their favorite prey items is another species of widely distributed birds the pigeon the word peregrine actually translates to wanderer or pilgrim and this species was sometimes known as the wandering falcon due to the fact that it is found all over the world many peregrine will migrate large distances to get to their breeding grounds Um, especially those in the northern hemisphere. But those near the equator tend not to migrate due to the more consistent temperatures, and they result in a consistent supply of prey for when they need to hunt for their chicks. The species can be found nesting in over 3,600 meters above sea level along the coastlines, but they can also be found nesting comfortably in skyscrapers due to the fact that they are an area with lots of pigeons. And as an abundant food supply. Oh, poor pigeons. Um, when preparing the for the nesting season, the male will choose a few suitable locations, usually along ledges of cliffs, and the female will select her favorite amongst these. That's adorable. Um, he's like a little real estate agent. All right. These are not much. Uh, they're not much of nest builders and usually will, will usually just scrape the ground to make a depression for the eggs. But sometimes they may decide to nest in abandoned raven or hawk's nest. The male will help with incubating. The majority of this work is done by the female, while the male is uh, responsible for going out to hunt to bring her food. But uh, once the chicks are a bit older, both parents will go out hunting for them. What the peregrine falcon is most famous for, though, is being the fastest animal on Earth. When it is traveling, uh, when it's traveling in a flight, it can reach speeds of 40 to 55 kilometers per hour, And while pursuing its prey, it's been clocked at 112 kilometers, which rivals the speed of the cheetah. They will also catch prey by snatching birds out of swarming flocks. However, when it's performing hunting dives, which it can perform from over a one kilogram. (laughs) Wow. A kilogram in the the sky. Perform from over one kilometer in the sky. It can dive at a speed of 320 kilometers per hour. Please do that. Go do that conversion into miles. It's nearly 200 miles. Okay, great. Perfect. It's around 180 miles. All right, great. When they perform these dives, they start by soaring above their prey. Then the soup begins when they are between 
300 to 3,000 feet above their prey. That's so crazy. The dive comes to an end with the falcon either snatching its prey or it will strike at it hard enough with its feet to either stun or kill it. The peregrine falcon is currently listed as the least concerned by the ICN red list and their population is currently on the rise. The species was once um, nearing extinction due, to, due to pesticides like DDT, but banning these pesticides and the reintroduction programs led to them being removed from the Endangered Species Act back in 1999. Now scientists are primarily concerned with protecting their habitat to make sure they still have nesting sites and monitoring their populations. Well, the good news is it sounds mm-hmm. like they can just move into skyscrapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. They're the fastest thing. I don't know how they do that dive. It's not so. And then you have to pull out of it. Yep. That's the craziest part. You got to pull out of that dive. Oh, gosh. Anyway, they're cool. They're the fastest. Go them. But that's going to bring us to our Animal of the Week. And this is our listener's choice this week. Yep. And our Animal of the Week this week is... The Norway Lemming. Lemming. Lemmings are so cute. Yes, they are. So I, I, it's not what I thought they were going to be when I looked up what they were. Oh. I don't know what. I thought they were going to be like a little monkey-like thing. What? I'm like, I guess a lemur, but I wasn't thinking a lemur. And then I saw that and I was like, that's not what I was expecting. No. But they're so cute. Yes, they are. Anyway, okay, tell us about them. So these guys are in the order Rodentia. They're actually the only second rodent that we've done at Animal of the Week for. Was that the shrew was our other one? No, they're not rodents. The vole? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And they're in the family Critsetidae, and their scientific name is Lemus Lemus. Uh, you had two? You had two twos today. Oh, I forgot it. You told me last time. <sighs> A tab, but nope. I think it's a T, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts with T. No, I don't remember it. Tatonim. Tatonim. <laughs> as their name suggests, they live in Norway, as well as in Sweden, Finland, and parts of Russia. They live in tundra and alpine habitat, so usually the only plants in their habitat are lichens, mosses, and forbs. Like other rodents, they have very short lifespans, usually only living between one to three years. They are small rodents that resemble a large, chunkier hamster. Yep. Um, They only measure about 8 to 17 centimeters long and weigh about 20 to 130 grams. They are an herbivorous species, and their diet mostly consists of moss, lichen, and grass. Since they live in such cold region of the world with lots of snow, the lemming will live under the snow, insulated from the cold, and gives them protection from predators as well. So cute. (laughs) During the summer months, when the snow recedes, they will move to bogs and marshes where they can dig shallow burrows underground for protection. Along with these hideaways, to protect themselves from the cold, lemmings are thick-bodied animals with thick coats that help retain body temperature. Unlike some other rodents of their size, they lack a tail which helps to reduce the amount of surface area on their body and helps prevent heat loss. They also have very short limbs that are tucked under their belly, again helping to prevent any loss of heat. Tucked under their belly like mean that's just where they come out or do they loaf like cats do? Kind of loaf. Oh, little yeah. five so okay. <laughs> Uh, these short limbs, along with their first digit on each paw being larger and flattened, helps them with digging their burrows and tunnel through snow. For the most part, the Norway lemming is a solitary species and only gets together for short periods to breed. Just like many rodents, the lemming is a prolific breeder and reaches sexual maturity by just three weeks of age and can produce a new letter litter every three to four weeks with a litter consisting somewhere between five to 13 offspring oh boy lemmings in the genus lemmus um, have what is called postpartum estrus meaning that a female may already be pregnant with a new litter while caring for her previous one that's crazy Mm -hmm. males can become particularly territorial with one another especially since they breed throughout the year and they will fight each other which can look like a boxing match with the males batting at each other with their paws trying to wrestle and fight what? each other i have to see that <laughs> due to their high reproductive potential their population can increase very rapidly so they will disperse under these conditions and even go into more forested habitats which is not their preferred living condition this makes the Norway lemming unique in that they are among the only rodents that will go lo- on long-distance migrations to disperse their population. This behavior, though, has led to some major misconceptions and myths regarding the lemmings. 
One common misconception is the myth that lemmings will go out on these long migrations to commit mass suicide <laughs> by running off into the ocean and drown themselves in the sea. Is this specifically running off cliffs? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, this is not true. During these migrations, they may have to cross bodies of water, and normally lemmings are very good swimmers, but when they are in such large numbers and the obstacle of a long migration is in front of them, this may lead to panic while they are in the water and may result in them drowning during the crossing. This myth also persisted because back in 1958, Disney staged a supposed mass suicide event in the documentary White Wilderness, and off-screen the lemmings were dumped out of the truck off the ledge into the water. What? Yeah. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I found one article that included the video. I was like, I don't think we needed this. Oh my god, that's horrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are dramatic increases in the species population followed by mass die-offs, but these can always be explained by different population dynamics since because they have these huge fluctuations, they've been thoroughly studied by scientists, and we know that the true causes are competition for resources, predators taking advantage of the large prey population, and problems they face during their migration. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I just still am wondering how that even got started then. So the myth got started and then they were like, we can make money off this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard a couple versions of like when they tried doing the documentary, they found, oh, these aren't as interesting. Let's make something up. Oh and God. there were already, um, because they did find lots of dead lemmings during certain times of year. So that's part of the reason. There's an even weirder one saying that lemmings would explode because they also have a fiery attitude, so they would just burst. <laughs> yeah, there's <gasps> a lot of ridiculous myths around lemmings. Oh my lemmings. gosh. So is most of their habitat, though, I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. Most of their habitat on, like, cliff sides that this happens? or is That's it... just part of where they have to cross on their migration. Okay, so it's just yeah. a crossing point. Mm -hmm. So it's like wildebeest crossing the river. Yeah. Okay. Just without alligators and stuff mm -hmm. and crocodiles. Yeah. Okay. The Norway lemming is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, and their population is currently stable. The only potential risk known for this species are overgrazing by reindeer, which may have a negative impact and restrict the available food source for them. And climate change will likely reduce the available habitat for this species. Oh, poor little yeah. guys. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they're cute little things. Yes. I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, hey, Casey. Yes, Allie. What is the Northern Rodent's favorite Beyonce album? I do not know Beyonce song, so I have no clue. Lemonade. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, gosh, that's a newer one, and I know it. I know. I'm like, you think I know Beyonce album? <laughs> I don't. That's like the only one I know. Okay. I couldn't even tell you what the Destiny's Child album name was. I, mean, I cared about that more than Beyonce. <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, there we go. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's going to bring us to our challenge. Mm -hmm. And Casey, yeah. because the election recently happened, I made a quiz about weird laws. Oh, boy. And because our election happens on the 8th, there are eight questions. Okay. So here we go. They're all animal-related, sort of animal-related laws. And you have to tell me they're true or false, and then there's multiple choices. Okay. All right, so here we go. Um... I don't really think we need a time limit. Yeah. We'll just do it. All right, so here we go. If Bigfoot is real, he is safe in Scamania <laughs> County, Washington. The uh, scenic northwestern county considers the Sasquatch, Yeti, Bigfoot, or giant hairy ape an endangered species, and slaying one is a misdemeanor punishable by one year in county jail, a $1,000 fine, or both. Up until which year was slaying Sasquatch a felony? All right. 1956, 1979, 1984, 1998. I'm going with 84. Correct. Good job. All right. Next. So planning on being around goats in Georgia? Do so at your own risk. Oh, my God. In the Peach State, no one engaged in goat-related activities can make a claim against someone else for injury, loss, damage, or death resulting from interacting with the animals. Is this true or false? I feel like it has to be true. It is false oh. only because it is llamas and not goats. Oh my god. <laughs> what? 
Oh, that's in George. Like what? Uh, All right. Uh, in which state can uh, you cannot have your jumping frog and eat it too? Well, any person may possess live frogs to use in frog jumping competitions. If such a frog dies or is killed, the frog may not be eaten or used for any other purpose. Rest in peace, little ribbit. <laughs> is that Arizona, California, Oregon, Nevada, or Washington? Oof. Say them again. Arizona. Okay. California. Okay. Oregon, mm-hmm. Nevada, Washington. Hmm. I'm feeling it's Nevada. No. Damn. All right. Moving on. So, thinking of treating your four-legged friend to a day of primping and pampering? In Juneau, Alaska, that's a no-go. According to a local ordinance, no animal can enter into any barber shops or establishments for the practice of hairdressing or beauty cultures. True or false? I'm going with true. Correct. <laughs> that is true. Oh, God. Oh, All right. Lordy. So, domestic ferrets are not well known for their hunting prowess, nor will they be in the wild and wonderful state, in this wonder- wild and wonderful state. In what state it's, is it illegal to hunt, catch, take, kill, injure, or pursue a wild animal or wild bird with the use of a ferret? <laughs> okay. Is that West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, or Tennessee? Ooh, not in the same conversation. Um, I'm going with Virginia. So close. Ah, it was West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Damn. We'll go back with the right answers in a bit. All right, this is another true or false. Okay. In Ohio, no horse owner is allowed to let their stallion mate with the mayor anywhere near a public street or alley. Curiously, the law only applies to male equines. So technically, if a mare starts the rendezvous, it would be completely legal. Is this true or false? (laughs) No way they're giving a woman even, no matter what species, that much freedom. False. (laughs) Incorrect. Oh, damn. I know. It makes no sense. They probably shouldn't even consider a woman having... I think they shouldn't even consider a mare having an option. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so on to the next one. This going to be another multiple choice. Most people run away from a fire, but mm-hmm. in which state? Um, it would seem people think of it as an ideal hunting condition. It is illegal in this state to kill or capture a wild bird anywhere near a field or forest ablaze. Is that Vermont, Georgia, Virginia, Oklahoma, Nebraska? Hmm. I'm going with Nebraska, actually. No, I'm so sorry. (sighs) All right. I'll be so pissed if it was my second choice. (laughs) All right. So, this is only true or false. Okay. It is illegal in Montana to guide an animal onto the railroad track with the intent to injure the animal. In which state? Montana. I'm going with true. That is false. That's horrible. And it gets better. Oh, my God. So that is our last question. I'll, I'll, we'll just go through them and again. We'll get back to it. Okay. So you got the first one correct. It was 1984. It's one. It was a felony to kill Bigfoot mm-hmm. in Washington State. All right. So You know how one, I knew that one? What? I remember it was a question on finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet. <laughs> yes. Good job. <laughs> All right. Also, I should say I got all of these from um, the Animal Legal Defense Fund. So, to be fair, I'm not sure that some of these aren't also mm-hmm. legal in other states. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as these go, at least. All right. So, that was that one. And the other one you got, it was not goats in Georgia that you can't be around. It was llamas. I feel like that's because people were trying to sleep with them. Like, what were you trying to do? That, and why is it that specific animal? Anyway. So, yeah. So, um, if you're around a llama and you get hurt in Georgia, that's on you. Um, so it is the state where you can't have a jumping frog, and if it dies, you can't eat it. That is California. What? Yep. I don't know why that was a thing. Why do we pass? Maybe they're afraid they're going to pass disease or something? I don't know what that's about. Okay. That's a strange one. 
All right, there we go. Um, you got this one right. So in Juno, you cannot bring your dog into any hairdressing type shop. Um, this one was wrong. So it was close though. Yes. So the domestic ferrets, you can't use them as a hunting guide in the state of West Virginia. Um, and in Ohio, it is uh, it is true that the male, the stallion cannot instigate something in a public setting, but American. Why? Um, and then when it comes to the uh, the fires with the birds, um, that is Virginia. Mm. You are not allowed to wait around a fire to shoot birds. All right. Look at Virginia doing something right. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So this is the worst one. All right. So this is, you got it wrong. So it was uh, <laughs> false. So it is illegal in Montana to guide an animal onto a railroad track with the intent to injure the train. But surprisingly, no. What? Yes, but surprisingly, no prohibition for injuring the animal. If the train is damaged, the person responsible may face a fine of up to fifty thousand dollars, five years in jail, or both. It's a train. It's a, well, there could be people on the train. Who okay. cares? But I don't think an animal's going to derail a train. I know. Unless it's like maybe a moose. an elephant. <laughs> I know, like a moose. Which case, why is there an elephant on the road? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so uh, get your shit together, Montana. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, so that is the craziest one. I know another weird one. What? California is the only state where it's illegal to trespass on a criminal offense to trespass on an animal's enclosure at a zoo. That seems really weird. Yeah. <laughs> That seems like that should be everywhere. <laughs> there know. was also one that obviously is not followed, but it wasn't from this group. Um, mm-hmm. It was saying that in California, it's illegal to have a dog or like an animal, a pet, within a certain range of a school or something else. And I'm like, that's nobody follows that because everyone brings really? their dogs to pick up their children and people bring the dogs mm-hmm. into school that aren't service dogs. Yeah. So anyway, it was weird. There's some, there's some yeah. weird stuff. There's also, we also have a lot of pets that are illegal that people don't follow. Yes. Hence why I work with them. <laughs> also, one of them is California is the only main state that will not an island state mm-hmm. to uh, not have ferrets. Yeah. That you can't have ferrets. But yeah, there you go. So those are some weird animal laws. I hope in the past election, if you're American, you voted for good people mm-hmm. who care about the environment mm-hmm. and people more than mm-hmm. money. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so that is it. Um, uh, yeah, that's the end of episode 101. Um, and we, as always, we're your host, Sally. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast, our final episode in Europe and the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs>